This message comes from NPR sponsor Xfinity. Some things are slow, like snail races. Other things are fast, like Xfinity XFi. Get fast speeds, even when everyone is online. Working to make Wi-Fi simple, easy, awesome. More at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. I love, I, I love the internet. You're always saying I that. like the internet. Yeah. But at this point, I'm just, I'm so tired of other people telling me what is great and amazing and what I absolutely have to see. You don't want to just follow the crowd. Laura here has a tip. Uh, this is for YouTube. To find things that no one else has seen. <laughs> My trick is to find videos that have not been titled. People upload them without renaming them. So the prefix IMG or MOV followed by random numbers, three to four numbers, will return search results. Um, and you can just look through and see the screenshots of what is going on and then pick from there. So what have you found, Laura, that sticks out? Um, some of it is pretty... Is pretty um, <laughs> stupid and only people like me would think it was funny. <laughs> like somebody reviewing an Ikea couch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to do this right now. We're going to go to YouTube and uh, put in uh, just MOV. Do you want to pick some numbers? Sure. Let's do uh, MOV uh, 165. Oh, looks like a guy. He's his food is on fire. It's a guy sitting in the woods. His food is on fire. Well, he's got a burning fork, basically. He, I think he's just drunk and by himself, and he's e- eating fire, eating fire and drinking beer. He's got flames dripping from that fork. How many views did that have? Two. <laughs> I love this because I you have found a way to find things that you can form your own opinion about, you know, that, that are unfiltered yeah. through through other people. I am the arbiter of my own viral videos. Yeah. What do you, what's the opposite of a viral video? Like, what's the opposite of viral? I would say non-contagious. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, these are non-contagious videos. Yeah, that's what I like about it is that <laughs> the reality aspect of it. This is really, I'm peeking into another room and, you know, sometimes on the other side of the world for just this one moment in time and no, n- not very many other people have seen this. You might remember a couple weeks ago, Missy and her uh, four-year-old Ethan uh, called in with a question. Ethan has another question. Missy, what can we help you guys with? Well, my son is very curious about a lot of things in nature, and things that come up during stories most recently have included, do sharks poop? And do whales poop? Uh-huh. Um, do you do you think he would he would like to ask us about this, or should, should we um, just... I think I would. Ethan, do you want to ask on your questions about sharks? No. No? Can you ask him the question you keep asking me about sharks? Do sharks poop? <laughs> Do sharks poop? Yeah. 
That's a good question. Have you ever seen a shark? Uh, in the ocean, I saw one, and the shark bite my finger. Oh, the shark you really? saw it bit your finger? Yeah, and then he ate it up. Did that hurt? Yeah, and I had to go to the medical center. Oh, you had to go to the medical center. They put a very big bandaid on it. Did you notice when the shark bit you? Did the shark poop? He pooped in my eye. Really? Yeah. That's disgusting. Well, it's swimming on my back. This is life with a four-year-old. I'm not going to lie. Shark really had it in for him. Yeah. Right, we're we're going to turn now to to an expert. Chris Lowe is a professor at the California State University Long Beach Shark Lab. So, Chris, do sharks poop? Everyone poops, and that includes sharks and whales. The interesting thing is is that most animals are pretty discreet about where they go to the bathroom, and in the ocean, that seems to be true as well. So, for example, if you're out swimming around or snorkeling. Um, it'd be rare to actually see a shark poop. Because they're embarrassed? Um, part of it might have to do with the fact that it's easier to track them. Because when mm. they release that, um, it creates an odor plume, and then a potential predator could follow them. So um, we think they're pretty discreet about where they go to the bathroom in the ocean. Do you think that that's where our kind of embarrassment with bathroom activity comes from? That there's actually sort of an evolutionary advantage to being, you know, wanting to hide it? Well, you know, there's been some really cool science done on that. And it turns out that most animals are actually pretty shy when it comes to that sort of thing. And it's believed to be because of that purpose. That because you're releasing something that leaves an odor, that it's trackable. And things can find you that way. Are there any other times when animals act discreet like that? Um, Yes. When it comes to mating. At least sharks are that way. Sharks are really discreet when it comes to mating. Well, so how do they, like, what is the shark equivalent of closing the curtains? Well, so that's a really good question. So they, they, a lot of this might happen at night, and that's why people don't see it. They're not in the ocean that often at night, and when they are, it's hard to see things. Um, Some species may do it in deeper water, so it's deeper than where most people may dive. But the bottom line is, for sharks, is that they're vulnerable when they're mating because male is, is biting onto a female. Um, sometimes that, in that process, it can take an hour. It can take an hour long for a male to, um, to actually mate with a female. Wow. And they're, they're vulnerable to other predators during that time period. So it might be the reason why they're so discreet is because it's dangerous. All right, well... Ethan described a scenario here. Um, well, he told us a story. We'll tell it to you, and you can kind of see what you think. Yeah, again, he, uh, Ethan is four. Okay. And uh, he told us that he was in the ocean. He saw a shark. It bit his finger, and the shark ate his finger. So he had to go to the medical center, and they put a big bandage on it. But, but that's not all. He says that the shark then pooped in his eye. While swimming on his back, the shark pooped in his eye. Okay. That's the story. As, wow. a, as a shark expert, what's your reaction to that story? Um, well, uh, I'm, I'm impressed. For somebody who's only four, he's gotten to see a lot more than I have. Um, so 
it, it, the the chances of him being bitten by a little shark um, is possible. Um, sharks generally don't swim over and bite people for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, now the pooping in the eye thing that's that that would be truly unique. Yeah. Um, not impossible, mind you, but it would be unique. And sharks don't like to go upside down very for very long periods of time. Um, however, if you hold a shark upside down, if you hold it upside down for a period of a couple of seconds, they will go to sleep. So they go into what is known as tonic immobility, and they just lay there. And after a certain amount of time, maybe five minutes, the shark will start to wriggle, and then eventually will right itself and will swim off. So um, it, it's... It's unusual to see a shark go completely upside down for more than a, a snap second. So, Ethan, going back to Ethan's story, the fact that a shark pooped in his eye, that's a cause for celebration among, among your peers, I would imagine. Um, for us, that would, be, that would be quite the unique thing. That truly would be. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Sure. Hey, Misha, what can we help you with? So basically, um, you know, I work here in a, at a big tech company in Silicon Valley, and my day is filled with like, repeating meetings as well as single meetings. But the problem lies with trying to understand what people are asking when they say, do you want to, you know, get together and do a uh, bi-weekly meeting or a bi-monthly meeting? Because I'm like, is that like twice a week or once every two weeks? I just, yeah. I just don't know. Right, and your, your answer could definitely be very different if you were meeting, you know, eight times a month versus twice. Exactly. And I, you know, do I want to invest in that? So it's just very tricky to understand what, what, they, what they're meaning with that. So yeah, it's just one of these questions I, I just haven't done the answer to. Have you missed any meetings yet that you know of? <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> Maybe I've only shown up for one of them out of two each week. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully they would have told me. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to see if we can help you out with this, Misha. Awesome. Thank you so much. On the line with us now is Jesse Scheidlauer. Jesse is a lexicographer and past president of the American Dialect Society. So, Jesse, what's the answer? Well, unfortunately, there is no answer. Uh, by means either every two or twice A, and there's simply no way to tell. I mean, you have to go by context. And this is something that people always try to say, well, no, it does have a specific meaning, uh, but that's not always the case, and it's not historically the case either. So nowadays, usually a biweekly meeting would mean every two weeks. But when the word first arose in the, 18, in the 19th century, it referred to, uh, it was used in, in newspaper context. So a biweekly newspaper was one that was published twice a week. And you also had triweekly newspapers that were published three times a week. Um, and and this was something that was confusing even at the time. So I, I found when, when I was looking into this uh, originally, uh, I found a letter in, uh, from 1844 that someone had written to a to a, a magazine uh, complaining about the ambiguity. Uh, so this is something that people have been confused about for a long time. Well, do you have any other strategy then to help Misha figure this out? There are a few things you can say. So semi always means twice A, uh, although it's a little bit obscure. I mean, semi-weekly is not that common an expression, uh, but you can use that. 
Uh, you can use fortnightly if something is every two weeks, although, again, that's more British and it's more formal sounding. All right, let me ask you one last question. So we're talking mm-hmm. about inexact amounts. So a couple is two. Is a few also two, or is it more than two? Well, this is another thing that has been you know, argued about a lot and is, is different, different over time, uh, but it's not something that has a specific meaning unless you're talking about an actual pair of items. Uh, and, you know that you're calling a couple. You know, if you're, if you were talking about married people, you would you would say a couple, and there wouldn't be much doubt. You know, even if you were in a polygamous culture, you, there wouldn't be much doubt that you're talking about two things. Wait, so, but if you had a polygamous uh, family, would you say, oh, they're a happy few? Uh, I actually don't know what the language used in that uh, in that context is but you certainly wouldn't use couple to refer to a grouping of three or more <laughs> no spouses all right thanks jesse okay thank you you know it really is a good question what you call a romantic group of more than two because you you wouldn't just call them a I have couple. no idea yeah so uh let's call up uh, dan savage of the savage love podcast well so dan how do you uh describe a polygamous or a polyamorous uh group or because or, they're not a couple well i wouldn't lump polygamous and polyamorous in together uh polygamy is about patriarchy and really women being property and a man collecting wife possessions <laughs> sister wives um polyamory is more egalitarian and uh, I, I think more progressive and how you would refer to that unit depends on how that particular unit refers to itself it's really complicated when you talk about monogamy there's one thing here's a couple they don't have sex with other people they're a couple you can have a polyamorous couple um and you can also have a polyamorous thruple or a polyamorous quad um you know, a committed relationship is what makes a couple a couple, and that they're committed to each other, and it's exclusive in, in some way of, of others. Wait, is thruple so an actual... It's complicated. Is thruple an actual term that people use? It is. Thruple or triad and quad. Um, the terminology, if you, you know, start Googling around, is potentially, you know, it's limitless because you have all these different people with different relationships, sort of structures and models who are, you know, defining them. And you go with, with quad rather than... Like quaple, <laughs> yeah, or fourple. Quad fourple. sounds better than fourple. Yeah, fourple so, sounds too much like foible. So Dan, would you say then? Oh, there's the happy thruple. Yes, I know uh, people who are in a three-way committed relationship, and they're a happy thruple. Um, they call themselves a thruple. Wow. All right. Yeah, but but you really do have to ask people. And there's nothing, you know, if you're a poly couple, that you, you can be a polyamorous couple. Uh, but poly isn't the same thing necessarily as swinging or open. You know, there can be a couple in an open relationship. And they may have sex with other people, but they do not have relationships with other people. They do not date other people individually or together. They have no emotional entanglements, even if they do sometimes have outside sexual contact. But, the, you know, that couple's agreement is no relationships, no emotions. And that's open or that's swinging, but that's not poly. Wow. So really, when you ask that question of how you want to kind of define the couple or the group, you could be opening the door to a really long conversation. Yeah, you could be, you could wind up sitting next to somebody on a bus hearing about it for 45 minutes. So be careful what questions you ask, you know, really. And do you have a right to know? Um, You know, most people, uh, you know, are in a relationship. You don't necessarily grill them about yeah. the limits or the parameters or you know what's allowed, what's disallowed. You just assume that if they want you to know, they'll they'll clue you in or they'll tell you if there's a need for you to know. Well, Dan, thank you so much. You're welcome. 
Support for How to Do Everything comes from TaxAct.com. TaxAct has helped people file their taxes for over 10 years. But that's not all. They offer additional services, including auditing and email support. TaxAct will guide you every step of the way, allow you to pause and finish filing at any time, and guarantee a maximum refund. Who doesn't love pausing? Go to taxact.com slash how to get started. TaxAct. Easy, fast, free. We heard from Dewey. Dewey says he listens to How to Do Everything with his dog, Jeff, while fat biking at night in the deep, dark woods of Wyoming. Dewey and Jeff, these next 15 seconds are for you. Jeff, I just want you to know I love it when when dogs have human names. None of this spot and rover business. You, I hope you're proud to be named Jeff. From time to time, we like to remind you that we are not the only show produced by National Public Radio. There's another show. It's called Latino USA, which covers current and emerging issues impacting Latinos and other people of color. They report on how people live, struggle with, and celebrate difference. Uh, Latino USA chronicles how Latinos are living, shaping, and changing America. Find Latino USA now at iTunes.com slash NPR. Latino is spelled L-A-T-I-N-O. USA is spelled U-S-A. And NPR is spelled E-N-P-E-E-A-R-E. Well, that does it for this week's show. What'd you learn, Ian? Well, I learned that, you know, humans aren't the only ones that like a little privacy when they're uh, going to the bathroom or, um, you know, getting intimate. Do you think sharks, when they're peeing, ever have that, like, stage fright moment? If, I mean, if the, some, there's another shark around. Yeah, sure. I get, I get they're being discreet, mm-hmm. but surely there have been moments when one guy's kind of over there and another shark pulls up. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're at a urinal, if you're at a urinal next to another shark, especially I imagine if it's a hammerhead shark, because their eye is pointed right at you. Yeah, and think about that. Like when you're in that situation, maybe uh, you're having trouble kind of getting things moving, and someone will turn the water on, turn a faucet on. And you're like, ah, oh, that's the that's what I need, and then you are able to go to the bathroom. How do you do that when you're in water? Well, in the in the in the ocean men's room. It must really, it must be terrible to be the flounder, right? Because the flounder has two eyes on one side of its head. So always the guy next to it's like, come on, flounder. And you know, there's like some sad sea urchin who's like, no, no, I'm a sea urchin. I'm not a urinal cake. How to Do Everything is produced by Jillian Donovan with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Jeanette Harris-Courts. Well done, Jeanette. Send us your questions at howto at npr.org. Our website is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. Hello? Hey, Anna. It's it's Mike and Ian from How to Do Everything. Hi. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. 
So I wanted to call you because uh, we were just talking to somebody about the meaning of the word bi-weekly or uh, bi-monthly. Well, they have two meanings. Wait, you already know this? They both have two meanings. It, you're right. <laughs> well, now, the reason that we called you is because just today, you sent me a bunch of Outlook uh, calendar appointments. I know. There were so many. It was really obnoxious. I'm sorry. Well, no, but it was for a bi-weekly meeting. Yeah. So what did you mean? So bi-weekly can mean two things. It can mean every other week or it can mean twice a week. But when you send it out, what do you mean? Well, in this case, I mean every other week. But every other week. Okay. Would you also use it to mean twice a week? Yeah. I mean, I've never, <laughs> <laughs> I've never used it in that context because we don't really have meetings that are twice a week. Yeah. But that's... The word I would use if there was a meeting that happened twice a week. Would you consider uh, making it a, a fortnightly meeting? That's a really old school term, Mike. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to help. It's a little, It's it kind of predates me, I think. It's a little fancy, anyway. Yeah, I mean, what am I, Abraham Lincoln? No. 